The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello, and welcome to the Batteries Included podcast. It's November the 17th, 2023. And this is episode number 11. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the debut of the Lucid Gravity, Tom driving the Volkswagen ID7, the reveal of the Karma Kavea, and of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the sagacious Mr. Tom Malogny, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. And of course, Kyle Connor joins us from the majestic, practically palatial halls of Letterspec Studios, where he produces high-voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. So, good morning, welcome everybody. Good morning. So, unfortunately, nice. Martin can't, Martin can't be with us this morning. Uh, he's a little under the weather, so that that sucks. But hopefully, he'll get better soon and uh, be with us again before too long. Uh, so, we don't have a a. Uh, EV News Daily weekly reporting roundup for you this morning, but we do have lots of things to talk about today. So I guess let's get into it. Um, let's just start off with it, like the big news of the week: uh, the debut of the Lucid Gravity, the second vehicle from the the young automaker, and one on which all its hopes are pinned. So some quick numbers, and let's get into it. The Gravity is a luxury SUV with a battery around 113 kilowatt hours. Uh, it's said to have 440 miles of range. It's got 800 horsepower dual motor setup that accelerates from zero to 60 in under 3.5 seconds and will start at under $80,000. It is said to be able to add 200 miles of range in 15 minutes on a 350 kilowatt DC charger. They are targeting a coefficient of drag of 0.24, which is very impressive for an SUV. Uh, Lucid says the gravity lands in late 2024. Oh, and I should mention that it seats seven on the inside and two in the front when it's parked. Uh, so, Kyle, you were there at the LA, LA Auto Show, and I believe you're still there. <laughs> I don't know if you've even left the building yet. You've been you've been going hard all, all week, basically. Um, so that's where the uh, Lucid Gravity was shown, debuted for the first time. And for all intents and purposes, it was the only EV to launch at the show. And you shot a video, and that's up now, and I'll share that here in a second. But uh, maybe give, give us your impressions of what you, uh, of how it looked first in person. Well, you're so right. I mean, it was the big reveal of the LA Auto Show. Every year, auto shows have highs and lows. Um, this LA Auto Show is lame. There's no other way around it. But the big highlight was the lucid gravity uh, unveil and uh, you know this it's lucid's a car company we've covered since the beginning i think i had one of the first video driving reviews on youtube of this car and of the air and you know it's just a, a 
company I want to keep covering from a product side. And uh, yeah, I came all the way out to LA just to see the gravity. Mostly there was nothing else interesting going on here at the show. Like you had mentioned, we got a couple pieces of content here and there. We filmed all day yesterday. Uh, you know, we, we can get into it later in the show, but this is um, epic. I mean, I think, first of all, yeah, let's bring up some images. Uh, right. This thing looks amazing. It is a um, some stats on this car that I find interesting. Starting under 80 grand is you know certainly needing to hit that price point. Hopefully the standard equipment's pretty good. I think Lucid's really good about packaging uh, nice things in the vehicle. And uh, you know 120 kilowatt hour battery pack. We don't know if you get that battery for 80 grand, but 440 plus miles of range. Um, it's super efficient for an SUV. You know, it's not going to be as efficient as the sedan, as you can imagine. It uh, looks great. I think it's priced right. I don't know what the dream edition, all the crazy ones are going to cost. But uh, overall, I, I'm just so thrilled with this model. And forgive me for looking a bit tired. I haven't slept much like you mentioned, Dom. We've been filming, editing, ripping in the canyons. And um yeah, anyway, just just so excited about this car. So feel free to ask anything. I got to sit in it. I did a full UI UX tour in this video. It's super in-depth. Um, you know, showed the the front seat, the back seat, the uh, you know, we put someone six foot ten in the third row. Oops, I mean, we ten. really, you know, tried out the the whole uh the whole vehicle, and there's not much I don't like about this one. It's pretty cool. So th this is like the vehicle that like I mentioned in, in the intro, Lucid has its whole future basically pinned on this car. Like at first blush, it looks like it might 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 be enough. Maybe it I'm might. not a good company analyst. I don't know sure. what kind of position Lucid's in. I don't it's know how position. bad it is. <laughs> it's a bad I, I just I hear everyone say that. I don't know right. how much. Like I really don't know what right. Lucid's going through. From a I, I review cars, not companies, and mm -hmm. the cars are great. There's no way around it. We had right. a lot of issues with Lucid Air interfacing with the public charging networks, but the car itself, you know, I just, I did a 10,000 mile stint last time I had it, um, you know, straight through with no software glitches, no major software, stuff like this. Like the car was getting dialed in and now launching the SUV, which I think is the right model at the right time for our market. Um, there's not much to complain about. I mean, this just seems like the car to go for, uh, especially in the SUV space, because you get so much efficiency, so much range in the EPA cycle. We'll have to see what it does real world. Um, you get huge power. I think the best drivetrain in the electric business. Uh, and now the UI UX actually is like cool and usable and like really nice. And yeah, I think the, there's only one thing that concerned me about this vehicle, which was the Squirkle steering wheel. And oh, right. it's like a, you know, <laughs> rectangular shape. It looks honestly pretty Cybertruck esque. And in photos, I was like, oh no, why would they do that? Lucid's always been about driving performance and you know having a nice wheel in the hand. But um, actually, I sat in the car for about twenty minutes straight. It didn't. It it was much better than you could have imagined, or I could have imagined at least. So I'm going to reserve judgment on that and say, okay, that might actually work. Um, the seats are very comfortable. Uh, I did not adjust them to where I needed to go. Lucid, these two cars were pretty pre-production-y and they weren't letting anyone sit in them. 
So I was really lucky that they let me sit in it. Jordan sat in the second row. He said there was leg room for days. It's adjustable position. And then my friend Alex sat in the third row, who's six foot ten. And um, yeah, I mean, there's just so much space in this car. It's dimensionally so much smaller exterior wise than the R1S, but inside way bigger. I mean, it's really, really? cool. Yeah, I was going to point square. that out that it has more interior. It has more cargo space than the R1S. And and the R1S is voluminous, you know, and it it I think the R1S has about I think it's 104.8 or something like that. I should have looked this up earlier. And this is like 111. So um a lot of cargo space. And I love how that frunk opens up with the grill integrated into it for the low loading height. You know, I talk about that a lot with the lightning, and I know these vehicles aren't quite as tall as say a pickup truck, but th th those little usability things that you don't really realize until you own it. Having that low height in the front for people like getting groceries and putting in it is going to be so, so much useful. I'm so glad that they did that up front. Right. So uh, actually, so Squirkle, really quickly, uh, Kyle, what, what, is, what do you mean by Squirkle? We're looking at the wheel right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a square circle. Square is, circle. Is like square circle, all right the technical term for it. The ambient lighting in this car is beautiful, by the way. It actually has like some projection onto the dashboard. You can see behind the screen there. Um, everything just seems like they learned from the air. They said, okay. okay, here's what people liked. Here's what people wanted to see improved. And then they just did that. Now, of course, it's always easy to be extremely positive about a vehicle on first glance because you're going, mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is great. We need to drive it. We need to test it. I want to tow with it. We have to do all the things. But, um, I was nervous about this one uh, because I was at Lucid. I mentioned I, we did a whole episode on when I went over there and met with their engineers and we did all these things. And I saw a bunch of the um, test mules for the gravity, you know, that okay. they were putting together. And none of them looked like this. They were all cladded out. And I was like, oh, no, it looks like a minivan. Not good. Like, don't right. want, whatever's going on here, you got to stop. <laughs> and then uh, seeing the final reveal is like, wow, this looks great it looks really good and like even little details like the the led strip in the back no longer has like a, a clear cover over it so it has this 3d effect where you can actually see the light bar come through so many small details this one's on 23 inch wheels as an example uh, like lots of little things here that um you know just to me really struck me as this is a high quality premium looking package with all the functionality of a traditional SUV or minivan, but now has, you know, a fantastic, powerful electric drivetrain that's also efficient. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how the software goes. I did again, 20 minutes of this video is me doing an interview with David, who runs the UI UX team. We talked a lot about the improvements to what's coming to gravity, how some of that may come to the lucid air as well. And it was, I think, uh, really eye-opening and pretty great. So yeah, the wheel looks super weird in photos and on video, but when you sit in the car, it actually feels quite natural. So um, I'm talking about the steering wheel. So I hope everyone right. kind of just waits till they sit in the car on that one. So a couple of things. Um... Learning fast asks, uh, I thought Kyle said 120 kilowatt hours in the video. So when I introduced the thing, I said 113 kilowatt hours. That's just a number that electric through, I got from the uh, website electric. Um, and I think they had, I don't know, they were told it was around the same size as lucid. And that's, but you have, where'd you get your number from? Right from, from lucid. 
right from the, the horse's mouth, as it were. Yeah. So actually, in the beginning of this video, I was talking to Peter Rawlinson about the battery. Now, this is Lucid's unveil, right? This, this is like, right. here's the high level. We're making an SUV that's electric and, you know, it does all these things. They're not getting into the nitty gritty. They don't want to talk about, you know, all the small minor changes. But Peter did say they kept the same 22 module pack, um, but they also used the 120 kilowatt hour number. Now, he said it was a similar pack, not the same pack. We already know that they moved the hump where the extra modules sit on top to mm -hmm. under the front seats. So that way the back seats for second and third row have a low floor so your feet can sit down in there, which is, I think, pretty Great. genius. That's smart. Um, That's because what they do with the Lucid Air is in the big battery versions – they put them in the rear footwell, but then when you spec a Touring or a Pure, one of the smaller batteries, those modules are removed and you get a deeper sort of garage for your feet to sit down inside of. And I think that's a pretty reasonable, uh, you know, trade-off basically in those models. But at least in Gravity, uh, they they uh, have the low floor for second and third row also to make room for the seats to fold down, I would imagine, and other things. The Lucid Air Grand Touring that's on sale today is 116 uh, kilowatt hours uh, used. No, sorry, 112 kilowatt hours roughly usable. The Lucid Air Dream range and Dream performance was 116 kilowatt hours usable. The, the mm. same battery pack. The only difference was a cell chemistry change. You got a, right. a different chemistry when you went for the Dream. It's possible that now they're using an even better chemistry to get to that 120 kilowatt hour number. Because as far as my understanding goes, the Lucid uh, Dream vehicles were using the same exact Samsung cell as the Rivian large pack. And we all know that Rivian went from large pack to max pack with just a cell change, just a chemistry change. And I think maybe Lucid probably just bought whatever that next cell is. It's just that that I have no basis for that. But I'm just saying right. there's probably some chemistry change like that going on here to get that more capacity out of the same number of modules. Right. And and Kyle, you had mentioned that it was 116. I'm pretty sure it was 118, right? The uh, Dream Edition. Because that, if you remember, I did my range test. I pulled 118 out of it, and it was just about ready to die. So I think it was okay. 118, So which is close to what, what they're saying for this. And then yeah, one, one other quick thing I want to bring up. Learning Fast said, did, did it have a uh, CCS1 uh, charging port? Yes. And, uh, yeah, it, I, you, you know, yes, it did. So many people are asking, um, whenever, me personally, I'm sure Kyle, when there's a new vehicle introduction, does it have the NAX port? We're not going to see that on vehicles until 2025. So, you know, no, no vehicles natively going to have it installed in, in, until then. So I know I, people ask me about the ID four and ID seven uh, and the Volkswagen hasn't even it, it came out and said they're going to transition to next. And also I'm getting a lot of questions about the Volvo, um, uh, XC30, uh, not XC, EX30, yeah. because that's launching this year. These vehicles are not going to have NAX ports until 2025. None yeah. of the vehicles are going to natively. So, um, you know, just, just to clear that up, because everybody can't wait until they start putting them in natively, but we're not going to get that installed. And one of the things, and I've talked to these companies about it, why don't you just, 
you know, uh, towards the end of 2024, believe it or not, it takes a long time to make that transition. It's not a matter of just pull the wires out and put these wires in. They have supplier contracts with, with companies that are supplying them with CCS charge ports that they've signed contracts, but they can't say, okay, now we don't need those for the next two years. So just cancel the, those orders. So we're not going to see NACs roll out into other vehicle, non-Tesla vehicles until sometime 2025 for sure. Right. Well, I just want to real quick uh, thank Jeff Ball, Astrophotography, for his uh, generous super thanks today, 1999, and as well, uh, Gary Bushi sends uh, 20 bucks. Keep up the great work, he says, and we really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And finally, John Check sends us four dollars and asks questions, uh, asks us to talk about the seats. So, Kyle, I wanted to ask kind of about that. So, I, I was recently looking at a. Uh, uh, the Mercedes-Benz EQS SUV, like a really, I think it was in one of your videos. Uh, yeah, right from Atlanta. And it's like so plush and it's very like, a, it's a luxury vehicle. There's like no doubt about it. I look in the Lucid Gravity and it doesn't have that same like plush kind of luxury feel, but you know, you sat in the seats. How do they feel? Does it feel like a, like this, that level of luxury in, in the interior? Yeah, I mean, I just had been driving the EQS SUV literally the day before I sat in this vehicle. So it was a great back-to-back -back comparison uh, to get out of the EQS I had this week and into the Lucid. It's totally different. Uh, you know, the yeah, the EQS actually isn't like that squishy of a seat, like in my opinion. Like it's a wide seat. This felt good. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things I really have to spend more time in. But just the way the seating position felt, the way the cabin felt, that glass canopy that came overhead, to me felt just right. I mean, the Lucid Air, um, I sit too high in that vehicle for a sedan. I want it to be on the ground and I never got you know super comfortable with the seating position, but um, certainly the gravity, just because it's an SUV, you expect to sit higher, felt really nice to me. The gauge cluster is quite high, but I can easily see over the uh, infotainment cluster. Uh, that's not in the way at all. I still can see the hood out in front of the vehicle. And so, yeah, I mean, I really, again, in my one hour or so, I was at the booth around the cars talking to people. It's very hard for me to find where Lucid went wrong here because my opinion, they, they really took the feedback they got from the air and uh, made this thing work. Again, like I was explaining earlier, we need to drive it. We need to test it. We need to do all the things with it. And I also need to absorb some of the things that I thought about it. I just haven't even thought about it since I filmed the video, but um, it all seems great to me. I mean, I'm really genuinely excited about this car. I think it's going to be awesome. Cool. Um, so one other thing, so a lot of people are mentioning or saying that this kind of strikes them as almost more of a, of, of a wagon, like a station wagon rather than an SUV. So I saw it's one of the, some press outlet called a crossover, which I kind of I don't think that you can call this a crossover in any edit by by any means. Um, but so, do you find that like the roof is lower visually from the outside? Like, how does it strike you? Like from that, you said it had a lot of room for the your six ten friend. Yeah, if you go go all the way to the end of this video, you'll see my friend Alex, who's six foot ten, sitting in the third row with Peter Rollinson, and we were just chatting about interior space. It's all the way towards the end. You got to go right. pretty mm -hmm. deep deep over there. Yeah, there you go. And um, yeah, it was just uh, the car looks like a 
wagon to me. Like it's like a lifted wagon. I really like it. Of course, arrow and range, um, you know, had a huge role in this design, but mm -hmm. I think it looks handsome. I'm not a good critique of design, so I don't know. To me, I was like, looks awesome. You, you like what you like and you, you know, you can just say that and that's, that's yeah i like it that works i like it a lot more than the air although whatever you know so like i saw a sapphire out in the parking garage yesterday yeah they had one on display too but it was the first time i've like seen one in the wild right and that car looks great it's like the air just needed a little like two percent of changes and i i go from thinking ah it's kind of like an old man's car to holy crap that's insane that's just the car so sapphire works magic for me i love that car i have not driven a sapphire i really really want to drive a sapphire um but the gravity just looks great out of the box for me i love it and i would do not this spec i would do that cool green spec that they had with the surfboard on the top so there's alex six foot ten sitting in the third row there's right. still room to sit in the second row um he was the tallest one we could find at the show and it was he was like yeah headroom's always an issue but he actually thought the headroom was fine in this one and then he was like oh the knee room wasn't great and then peter like reaches over moves the seat forward and he's like okay i have nothing to complain about in the third row at six foot ten which right. is crazy so you know the the space in this vehicle is is great is is rivian third row even that spacious no you you can't like i can't fit in the third row of the rivian okay that's pretty yeah. cool yeah, no, this is way more interior space from a seating position than R1S. Todd Wilson says that does not look comfortable. And I think, you know, it's, but it's the third row. <laughs> you shouldn't be comfortable. I mean, he's 6'10. Peter looked very fine and comfortable right. back then. And he's about six foot. So, you know, you have to figure out, okay, are they going to design for someone six foot 10 in the third row? Actually, Alex is the guy I did my BMW i5 review with in Portugal. And it was really interesting because, you know, we're in this, sedan and he's like wow seats go to the ground i can fit in this one and it, it really opened my eyes to people who are either really short like i have a friend jill simonello who is a car reviewer she's really tiny and then alex who's really tall um and it's like hard to design cars for these outliers uh, i'm pretty average height i mean i'm six foot one but like that's i don't feel like i'm abnormally tall and i pretty much fit in everything so it's really great when we're able to get people of different sizes in the videos to show how they all fit. Yeah, I think you're kind of representative of the the American male. <laughs> you, you know, I'll be the flag bearer of that. Sure. Oh, uh, Urban Strength and long long time uh, viewer, great great uh, guys, great podcast. Love that you talk about our EU market too. Hope that you, hope you start with uh, YouTube membership so we can support you. Greenies from Slovenia. Hello, Slovenia. Hey, it's great to see you here, as always. Um, all right. So, Tom, hey, have any uh, gravity questions? No, I mean, I, I I love how it looks from afar. I wasn't at LA this year, and uh, Kyle's video, I, I, I haven't looked at it. I didn't know you were publishing yet, but I'm going to look at it right after the podcast. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot about it. That's one thing that Kyle does really good with these walk-arounds. He goes over all little details and stuff, and uh, I'm sure this is going to be a killer uh first look video so that's that that's what i'm on as soon as this podcast is over looks good at first blush uh you know i love you know me i pointed out already i love that front loading height you know it's just it's just something for me uh the usability getting get, lugging putting stuff in and out and one of the things i don't like about my rivian because i just can't the r1t and the r1s i i, I rarely use the front because everything's got to come up and over and i love that that 
um, how this is going to be so easy for running and th throwing groceries in there. Um, and I'm amazed at how low it looks. Like we talked about that um, the roof line isn't as high as, say, a traditional SUV. Yet they're, yet they they manage to get more space than an R1S in there. And Kyle's telling me, you know, a six ten guy could sit in the third row seat. You know, it's like that's like a TARDIS thing. You know, it's it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, and uh, looks cool. And I'm looking forward to uh, checking it out. Greg uh, Kramer has an interesting comparison. SUV '70s International Travelall is the one. So I, I guess he's saying it's like similar to a Travelall, which is. I don't know. That kind of strikes me as not being too wrong. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty similar. I'm not sure how much of our audience will understand what a travel all is. I oh, saw right, one right. not too long ago, actually. Okay. Um, at SEMA, they had one all kitted out. And I was like, are you going to EV swap it? And that was their plan. So that would be kind of cool. But okay. anyway, um, yeah, I don't don't know how many people know what travel alls are. That's true. The, the reason why they could do this and not, you know, I know most of our followers here are sophisticated EV people that understand, but you could never do this with a combustion vehicle. You could never have it so low to the ground and have so much interior space because you need the drivetrain underneath and the drive shafts. And it, it's just, that, that's another reason why packaging on electric vehicles allow designers and manufacturers to do things that we couldn't do before. So good, good, good on uh, Lucid for taking advantage of that. I just thought I'd pull up some uh, other pictures here of it static so we can take a good look around. Yeah, so kind of not, not yeah, I mean, leaning towards wagon. Recently, I've had this thought that, you know, I'd really like to see wagons come back because of a lower roof. I think they'd get better range than our traditional SUV shape. Uh, there's a profile. Yeah, it looks like a kind of a low roof, but it's amazing that they, they can get to, like so much headroom in there. But I was thinking, like you know, just a high riding wagon, like not too much, like the uh, like the Porsche across Turismo, like oh, could, it's way bigger than that, right? No, but I'm saying we could have like a new segment of of car of, of a station wagon, like can, you, utility of an SUV, but the the range of a sedan, you could say, and yeah, just like lift it up, you know, make it a little yeah. Push. So it's like that Audi All Road or the Mercedes E450 All Terrain type category. Yeah. Yeah. No one will buy them, sadly. No one does buy them. I don't know. I'd like to see someone take a chance and see what happens. I know Audi has that awesome A6 e-tron wagon concept. And okay. it's like, right. bring it to America. And they're like, no. <laughs> it's such a shame. Right. And uh, Tom just ID7 wagon. Yeah. Right. Um, well, there's another little bit of, so I don't know if there's anything else about the lucid gravity that you wanted to mention at this point. I think we've covered it. I mean, it was just an unveil. There's no real technical stuff in there. I tried to ask around some extra details. Lucid really did not want to share too much about the car. It just leaves for unlimited stories as we go farther. This is the starting point of our coverage of gravity. It's a car I'm going to, you know, follow as our viewers buy them, take delivery of them road tripping, towing tests, all the things. And um, I know so many of our viewers are interested in this car, so we'll have them to play around with. And I'm I'm just thrilled. I mean, truly thrilled. I, I thought they had the potential to mess it up, um, which they did uh, have the potential. But then in practice, uh, I think they nailed it. They totally got this one perfectly nailed. So very, very, very pleased. And so it's coming out uh, about a year from now, basically. It should be in showrooms. 
Yeah, the, it's hard to say. I think that's the rough idea. Okay. Um, so just sticking with Lucid for a second, I just thought, so now we don't know what their product plan is going forward right now. We're, they haven't really spoken about what comes after Gravity, right? Publicly? Oh, yeah. I don't think they have. Right. So uh, back in eight, uh, was it August 13th of 2020, uh, Peter Rawlinson, this was, so this poster picture here was just posted on Inside of East uh, the other day. Um, it looks like a small clay version of a, uh, of a pickup truck with lucid styling. Uh, so back to 2020, Peter Rawlinson said, our SUV will be a similar length to lucid air. Length is a big thing with a paint shop, he said. But if we want to make a longer vehicle like a pickup or something like that, which we may want to make in the future, the paint shop is future-proof for pickups. So they haven't really talked about a pickup. That's just one quote from like a, a few years ago. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. And this doesn't mean anything. This doesn't mean that Lucid is bringing a pickup to the market. It just means that they're playing around in, in the, uh, you know, the studio and at least, well, bouncing ideas off the wall, at least, at, you know, but it is possible. And I just thought it'd be worth sharing that little bit of information. I don't know if anybody wants to say anything about that or not. Well, that I think cool. it's... It, okay. Go ahead. Sorry, Tom. I think it's it's uh, every company needs to figure out future design directions, future mm -hmm. product decisions, and it's very common to have some off the wall ideas early in the stage of developing a vehicle to say, yeah, does the executive board like this? Do we want to do this? It, at least we explored it. So I don't think this is any indication that we're going to see a pickup truck model coming down the line, at least in the near future. I also think it's like, yeah, what, how could they not at least explore the idea? Maybe it turns out that they do it. Great. We'll talk about it when that time comes, but I wouldn't get too excited right now about it. No. Yeah, that's just what I was going to say. I think it, this could have just been Peter saying, show me what a lucid pickup truck would look like. You know, and then and, and so they so they made a mock up, but it could be more. But, uh, you know, a lot of companies do this all the time. I've I've seen behind the door things at some companies that never made it to market outrageous things where the companies just say, well, let's explore. What if we did this or what if we did that? And uh, with no intention of ever bringing it to market. But as Kyle said, sometimes you get design ideas for something else from something that you're created and you say, oh, well, we're not going to make that truck. But that feature is really cool. Let's put it on this. So, um, you know, there's so much goes on behind the scenes of these automakers that we never get to see. And, you know, this this could be something like that, just a design language experiment. Right. I think personally, I think a pickup would be a bad idea. I mean, luxury pickup trick. It didn't really work for uh, Lincoln so much. I like I love those Blackwood Lincoln pickup trucks, but. They, did, they weren't a big seller, you know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for Lucid to kind of go that way. I don't, I don't believe, unless, unless I don't know. Maybe they have market data that says otherwise. But anyway, that's uh, up in the future. Sometime we'll worry about that later. We got other things, other fish to fry right now. Uh, so, Kyle, before you went to LA, you were in Atlanta for the opening of the first Mercedes-Benz charging hub, and of course. You made a video about it and people should definitely check that out. Uh, but you got early access and you had the place to yourself. This was a great video I watched. Uh, so tell us a bit about that and what and maybe what Mercedes plans are for its network. It's going to be a, a whole network, right? Of some size or other. Um, right. Yeah. 
Tell us about that. So a, a Mercedes high power charging, or I don't really know. They have so many names. Mercedes-Benz charging network. They have a billion dollars to build out a network in their phase one. And that's no joke. That's serious. They can really become a player with a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And they built this site in from idea to in the ground in six months. Two weeks ago, this site had no chargers and it was dirt in the ground. And they just put everything into it. Now, I'm not sure that's the most sustainable way of building in terms of like morale and pace. I don't know if you can keep that up. But it shows that like once they committed, we got to do this. They're like, all right, we're going to build the coolest charging hub. Let's launch this network and let's roll. And, um, you know, the video is an hour and something long. Uh, <laughs> we went through every possible scenario that you could imagine. I interviewed the CEO. I email, interviewed the technical experts. I was the first ever to charge on the Mercedes network. It was really a fun time. I, I really enjoyed it. If you like charging, I think you'll like this video. There's a lounge component at this particular one. And my impression of the Mercedes charging lounges are there's going to be different levels of them. And perhaps even different pricing per kilowatt hour based on what level you roll up to. So you might have one that's full canopy with lounge, you know, right in a metropolitan area where you can get snacks and get work done. That's what this would be. And it's right in Sandy Springs, Georgia, suburb of Atlanta, um, or I guess an extension of Atlanta. It's at Mercedes-Benz headquarters. And uh, it's 50 cents a kilowatt hour. Although for Mercedes EQ models, it's free at the time of this okay. recording uh it comes free model year 24 for two years um uh, included and then uh, for existing cars they get six months from wednesday which isn't really that much especially as they're not going to build that many stations so right. it's it's they're going to mostly have to pay when they use them unless they live near um the the existing uh you know i guess an existing site my understanding is they start on seven more this week they're building out uh, in places where they find their owners today currently charging. They want to provide a premium experience, and it's open to all cars. That's the big thing for me. I recently filmed the Porsche charging lounge in Bingen, and it's unless you got a Porsche, good luck. You're you're not allowed to charge here. This is open to everyone. And actually, when Mercedes does have to pay it, they pay the same price as everyone as well. So it's not um, really exclusive to them. It's it, my impression is Mercedes really is turning into a charge point operator with this business, not necessarily as a way to just charge their vehicles. They're not a huge volume brand in our market. Um, they saw an opportunity to you know invest some money into infrastructure and to uh, honestly run it themselves. And I I'm really excited about it. In this particular site, they use ChargePoint Express Plus hardware, uh, 400 kilowatt dispensers in this case. And, um, you know, basically they have two 200 kilowatt ports next to each other, but if there's just one car, you can get up, you know, you can max out a lucid air that charges at 350 kilowatts or a Hummer EV or something like that. So you get 400 kilowatts with one car, 200 kilowatts with two cars. I think that's a very reasonable power split. Um, and this is the highest power, uh, charge point express plus installation we've seen so far. Um, Every driver has access to the lounge. The only benefits Mercedes drivers get are reservations on the way to the charger. And I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Don't like it personally. Okay. Yeah. But I don't want to like, I don't want just because I don't like it for our audience to dislike it. I, I just, if there's a car there willing to charge, just dispense energy into it. 
Like don't hold the spot. And then when you roll up in your GLB or EQB and you're like, oh, can you please move your lucid air? Cause I reserved this station to charge my little car. It's like, it, it's just not going to work. Um, I think how long but can I they also, reserve it, Kyle? Sorry to interrupt you, but how long in advance are you allowed to reserve it? Do you know? 25 minutes. Okay. That's pushing a little bit. I would say Guitar, 15 minutes. Yeah. So it, it is a 15 minute reservation with a 10 minute buffer, which in my mind just means it's a 25 minute reservation. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but the card reserves automatically based on navigation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Oh, sweet. See, I don't mind 15 minutes. It's, it's Mercedes network. They're putting it out. They're putting the money, um, and, and Mercedes owners expect a premium, uh, uh, you know, experience. I, I, that doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. So if you reserve a spot, you pull into the station, like you can see what you're doing here and you can tell your spot because it's how you can tell Kyle. Uh, they, well, you, you really should check out the video, but you see this little orange light right there. It also shows here. on the pillar as well, next to that seven on the right. Um, okay. So the pillars have interactive lighting to match with the charger. And um, basically it activates through plug and charge. It's also the first time we've seen plug and charge with charge point and yeah, a lot of firsts here. And so, yeah, I, I don't like the idea of reservations for public charging sites. If, if there's a car there that can dispense energy into it, keep the site utilization up. 15 minutes is more than I charge a Tycon ever or a, an Ionic five ever. So I think it's going to cause some awkward situations at the chargers and we've seen EV go play around with reservations. I've never even asked them how successful it is, but I don't think anyone uses it. I don't know. I think it's kind of silly. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that they're going to be building some of these out across the country. I understand there's uh, Bucky's travel centers, uh, inside EVs reporting a couple of days ago that they travel Bucky's, uh, will get EV charging or most Bucky's will get EV charging thanks to Mercedes-Benz. So that's uh, that's an interesting play because, yeah, Bucky's right now they have, a, as far as charging goes, some of the locations have some uh, Tesla superchargers set up, like dozens of them <laughs> at a location, like a couple dozen per location or something crazy like that. So to have like this and superchar superchar Tesla superchargers at Bucky's, that's kind of wild. I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Tom? No, nope. I don't have any thoughts on that. I was I was spacing out for a minute and looking <laughs> up something for the next thing. So um, sure. I heard you talking about Bucky's, but I didn't hear you what you asked me. Sorry about that. I, I can at least share my, my opinion from talking to everyone at this event, which is yeah. um, at first glance, Bucky's initially doesn't come to mind as a like Mercedes driver kind of place. Right. However, I would argue that Mercedes drivers are real people as well. Sure. And we if you're not a real person, if you don't love Bucky's. And so, you know, <laughs> we love Bucky's, at least in the Connor family household. This is my dad's favorite place. When he right. heard about this, he's like, I'm going to go buy an EQS today. So, you know, he just loves that. I love the experience too. It's an American staple. And you know what? It's a place where you can go. You can get great food, great restrooms. They're yeah. right off the highway. There's plenty of availability. They have shops, there's stuff to do. It's literally like a service built around, um, you know, catering to the traveling person and the amount, I forget the exact stats, but someone shared with me, like the amount of money that a customer spends in Bucky's versus a traditional highway rest stop is like 8x. Like people really Ooh. spend their money at Bucky's. So 
I, I'm a big fan. I, I'm really excited about this one. And so for me, that all that means is we get super high power charging at Bucky's, which is where I want to stop on a road trip anyway. Right. I'm glad Kyle grabbed it because I couldn't answer that even if I had heard you. I've never been to a Bucky's. I don't even know what they are. <gasps> oh, so Tom, Tom, road trip. I don't even know what they are. Tom, you're. You, <laughs> I'm assuming it's like a you know like a convenience store, like a Quick Check or Wawa. You no. cannot describe Bucky's. It, it, you have to experience it. Okay. Oh, I guess <laughs> just, where's the nearest bucket? There's none in around this area. I'll tell no, you that. Europe and New Jersey. You have to go south. There's some in Florida, yeah. but I'm not sure. Or probably in the Carolinas, I think. I think there's something in the Carolinas. But you're headed out across the ocean uh, right after the show, I think, or shortly tomorrow or something. So I guess that your Bucky's road trip is going to have to wait for a few weeks. But uh, when yeah. you get back. We should talk. Well, I'll have to figure out where they are, and I'm going to have to go experience it now. That's Maybe they're right. in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Maybe I could. That might be the closest for me. Or are they just what? down south? Um, good question. I think they're mostly down south. Like Texas has a bunch, you know for sure. Um, I don't know. So it's not like come and go. It's not like a just like a, a convenience no. place. All right. In just, practice, let's not even put them in the same category. Bucky's <laughs> is like going to Disney World of highway rest stops <laughs> right that's a good over one. the top yeah okay okay um so i yeah. think richard R richard uh just uh summed it up for me and that's all i need to know nothing healthy nothing <laughs> you need and walmart people and you'll love it <laughs> that's kind of good richard that's, that's pretty good that's right on the nose all right um so while we're talking about chargers though real quickly you also, and this would be something, this would be a, a destination trip for you, Tom, to come down south and, and experience the, the Buckies. This get you in the neighborhood of some. Um, let's see if I can pull this up for you. But Kyle, you got to check out the, um, whatchamacallit, the uh, Circle K, right? This, you were at the Circle K uh, where they test out their new charging equipment. So Circle K is building a, a charging network for their, at their stores. Basically, uh, not maybe not all the stores, but some of them you can tell us maybe some more details if, if you have any. But this one location, and you can tell us where it is, they, they get new equipment. They put, set it up here, and they try it out and trial it out. And, uh, yeah, so tell us what we're looking at here because it's kind of an important one. This is a huge debut for the American charging infrastructure with two very important pieces of hardware. Um, this is the Circle K Rock Hill, South Carolina site, which is – charlotte right. north carolina just on the southern side of it and it is the first time that we have a publicly accessible alpitronic hypercharger uh in the u.s and we all have seen these units from europe they work ionity is just starting to install them they're the market leader in europe for high power charging at the moment they really have these things everywhere they've dialed them in they are unbelievably reliable they're quiet it's an all-in-one charger it does everything you want it's my favorite charger i've always said that and um now we have them installed in the us and this is the first site to do it so um we all know brandon flash he's been maybe not on this show but on our previous podcast either way brandon's always involved um this was his site before he left circle k he finished this out so he installed the hypercharger Super epic. Uh, I charged on it. We actually pulled about 380 kilowatts out of it um, with my Rivian and his Model Y completely dead right. just to try and max out the charger. And it made no noise, just a right. tiny bit of fans 
crazy, really exciting. So for me, once this unit launches in the US and Alpitronics coming to the US now, they're headquartered in Charlotte, this is like going to change what charging looks like in the future. There's also the ABB Terra 360 over here on the other side. Right. ABB is honestly has been the market leader in the US for high power charging for their Terra 184 units for their high power um, cabinet based chargers. And now they have a high power all in one unit. I have not heard or seen any of the major rollout plans for the 184 yet. Um, but uh, this is a 30 kilowatt power modules inside looks great. I've charged on them in Europe and um, this one was specced without the high output cables. So it's 300 amps nominal and 500 amp boost for 10 minutes which I don't actually think works that great. I think they need liquid cooling, uh, you know, option if you're going to do the Terra 360. Mm -hmm. right. And um, yeah, but either way, super cool unit. Excited to have these in the US. The Alpies for me, I mean, that's just the, the top because I just love the size, the shape, everything like that. The only thing that's going to be interesting is the screen being on the other side for ADA stuff, but maybe it works really well. I just need to see how the American uh, Americans install these. But right. in Europe... Alpies are everywhere. So one thing we noticed, so your, the previous video we looked at at, at the uh, the Mercedes-Benz Charging Hub in Atlanta, you took us back to this back, uh, you know, installation of big exterior, uh, big external charging units from ChargePoint, and but so this this doesn't have that, right? This no, is these all, are all everything is ones. right there. Everything is right there. Usually at a you know at a at a charging station you have like your pedestals, but in the back behind a fence there's all this other you know switching equipment, but that's all all inside this thing. Yep. And so you mentioned this also in the video. It's uh, silicone. Oh, actually, right now we're looking at this charge curve on the screen. What is that? Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's part of the software package uh, for Alpi units that, that gives you the charging curve of your car. They do that in Europe too. It's like meant for nerds. They tell you volts, amps. You can see your charging performance over time. It's it's like it's the unit made for like everyone because it just works. So normal drivers aren't going to get frustrated. But then they give us all the nerd data that we want. So I I'm, I just love these. Yeah, voltage and current and 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 charging curve. Like the, what? That's crazy. I, I like. I'm just like kind of blown away is all, and yeah, I, I fell. I think I fell asleep watching this last night. This video. I was. I just you know thought I'd tune in to you know check it out, but your like your enthusiasm for this was like so infectious. It was like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, it's a great video. Definitely go watch it. Uh, oh, so you Thanks. mentioned in this thing the. the thing that really sets them apart from other people is the silicone carbide uh, electronics inside. So are they the only ones that have silicone carbide inverters? Because it gives them like 97%, which means the, the higher the efficiency, the less waste heat you have to deal with. So, you know, less fan noise coming from the units. Well, that's why they're able, I think, to package it in this tiny little package um, because of the silicon carbide inverters. They have a, a hypercharger 300 version that isn't silicon carbide um, in okay. their rectifiers, which is fine. But um, the 400 is what's launching in the US. That's really the next gen unit. And uh, yeah, they have a stack each of 100 kilowatt uh, power rectifying power inside. They split uh, to 50 kilowatts internally of those modules. So you have 50 kilowatt charging sharing granularity, which is not market leading, but also I think more than acceptable for most charging use cases, especially as you know, you can at least get 200 kilowatts when you plug in. It can do dual 500 amp 
output and actually, I think in some cases, dual 600 amp output with the right cables. That's crazy for something that small. And, and the fact that they have a proven reliability track record. This is not sponsored by Alpitronic. No. Um, but they're one of the very few companies I would actually work with on that because they not yet work. <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. So I'm a big fan of that stuff. Right on. Um, okay. So any Alpitronic questions, Tom? No. Okay. Not really. I uh, just want to mention so a generous gift from Ed Peterson. And he asks... Maki LFP roll drive or Ionic Five roll drive are the same price in my area. Which would you pick? Uh, Ionic, Ionic Five. Ionic Five. I mean, not the dog on Maki at all, but I'm just like the Ionic Five is so great. Just charging performance. That's right. Yeah, 80, ten to eighty percent in eighteen minutes is the number, right? That's on the big battery. I don't know if the. I think the small battery is probably the same. Probably the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So. Tom, a couple of weeks ago, you traveled to the south of France, um, which I'm very jealous about, uh, to drive the Volkswagen ID7. So that's a mid-size sedan. It debuted in April, uh, and actually Kyle's already driven it he, and made a couple of videos on it uh, a couple months ago. But you didn't. He didn't have a whole lot of time with it. You had a, pretty much a whole day and got to drive it and I think tra- charge it as well. Um, you were, you got to do the drive program with Jordan from out of spec. So that, that was pretty cool. And he's in your video and I believe you're in, you're definitely in his for at least for a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you have a full video on state of charge and a write up on inside EVs. Your video is titled Volkswagen ID7 first drive review, my new favorite road tripper. So I guess you liked it. Uh, so tell us Tom. why this thing is so special. What? Okay, dis, dis, disclaimer, sometimes we don't have full control over the titles on our uh, uh, on, on the articles. Um, uh, but so um, that's not far from the truth, to be honest with you. Actually, it, it might even be the truth. Uh, you know, there's different types of road trips. Uh, I, and one of the things that got me with the ID7 is I love when you get surprised. I really wasn't anx- uh, looking forward to this media drive. I mean, it was it was a beautiful area and everything, but I wasn't excited about the ID7. I don't typically get excited about um, uh, you know midsize sedan that I don't think is going to do well in the U.S. market. We typically don't buy s- sedans, although they're kind of a little bit on a, on an uptick now. Um, so I was just doing it to, to almost. I felt like I was going through the paces. So I get there, and Jordan's there. I knew this ahead of time. So. Usually the automakers want you to partner up with someone. They don't have enough cars to give one for everyone. So, you know, I grabbed Jordan. I'm like, let's, let's do this together. And he's like, oh yeah, definitely. So um, one of the immediate things that I, what I was surprised about when I started driving was how incredibly comfortable it was for, you know, a Volkswagen. And it's not a, 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 I'm not denigrating Volkswagen. Okay. It's, it's not a premium brand. It's the people's car, you know, and, and the they, it felt like if I closed my eyes, I could have been in a a luxury premium luxury car that cost twice as much. And uh, of course, the fit and fit like you know all the materials and everything wasn't Mercedes or Audi level, but it wasn't a Honda Accord level either. You know, it was definitely in between, all padded, uh, you know, uh, plastic. It wasn't hard plastics and so forth. But the seats were incredibly comfortable. I know that's subjective, but they they have uh they're heated, they're air conditioned. They have the 
maybe the best seat massaging system that I've ever been in. And I, you know, I know Kyle tests out massaging seat systems more than I do, but there's 11 different types of massages that you can set it for. And, and it even has the, uh, the air cushions in the seat bottom so that you can massage your pelvis which was unique, you know, and, and I have a bad lower back. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I've had a bad car accident 10 years ago at two back surgeries. And I sometimes it's very difficult for me to get comfortable in cars. And as we're driving, I was just so comfortable. I had it set just to massage that one section in my back where I have trouble. And it was just like heaven, super quiet, incredibly roomy, um, you know, it, it does it drive like a sports car. No, but it's not a sports car. Does it accelerate like a Model S? No, it doesn't. It goes zero to 60 in 6.5 seconds, which today that's slow, but it's more than fast enough for a family sedan. Uh, and I was, uh, what, what, what I loved about it was I was genuinely impressed and I was surprised. And this is the first time I got a chance to check out the new software 4.0. If you guys are watching on YouTube, look how quick and snappy it is. It was just, you know, when Kyle did a full video on that, um, such a huge step forward from the ID4 when it first came out software wise. So everything was like a little better than what I expected. And when I talked about road tripping and I'm not, not talking about, you know, the ability to fast charge quicker and, you, you know, put that aside, load the family up, go to somewhere that's maybe 500 miles away. So you might have to stop once. Um, uh, I, I would, I would take this in a second uh, you know, are there luxury vehicles I might take over? Sure. But, uh, I was thoroughly impressed with how this vehicle drove the new, um, dynamic chassis control system works. Awesome. You can set this thing to almost any levels. I don't even know how many different levels Kai might know between the different, um, drive modes and then the different settings between soft and firm, you can really tune this thing to, to, to your specification. And what I loved about it was sometimes when you have these uh, systems where you can set sport and comfort, you almost can't tell a big difference between them. Like it's a little stiffer, maybe the, the steering's a little tighter, but the range of driving feel between pushing it all the way to one side and being cushy to all the way on the side and being, you know, taught uh, sport suspension. It has an enormous range that you can really tell when you're driving. So um, I was really, I love when you, it's like going to a movie and just being like, no, I'm going because your wife wants to go. And then when you're walking out, you're like, holy crap, that was a great movie. That's how I felt with this. I was really impressed um, with the, with the ID7. I know Kyle drove it too. Um, I think you, you, you seem to like it. I, I, I don't know if I watched that one video, you put out so much yeah, damn videos. I, I can't keep up with it. Um, part. oh, good, 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 good to hear that you, uh, agree. But, uh, Jordan was the same way we were driving it and he was like, this is like, this is a really good job by Volkswagen. I just wonder how many people in the U S are going to buy. I think it's going to do really well in Europe, but in right. the U S, uh, you know, it, it, it it's going to be one of those vehicles that, like, I want to stand at the Volkswagen dealership and tell people, come over here, drive this thing, you know, and, and it, 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 to me, it drove better than any Volkswagen sedan I'd ever driven. And, you know, the combustion vehicles and everything. So uh, honestly, if, if, if you're thinking about, if you need that type of a vehicle, just take one for a test drive. I think you'll really, really like it. Uh, it drove really well. So then, yeah, me and, uh, Jordan, we, we went off, um, slightly off the course. I think we're the only ones that of, of all the journalists on this drive that, that 
fast charged it. And, um, you know, so we, we went off course and we found a fast charger. We didn't know if we could even make it work because we don't have network cards. And I didn't know if I could just use a credit card. And, um, so we got it to fast charge. We plugged in at 44% and we unplugged at 82% in exactly 20 minutes. So a 20 minute stop took it from, uh, 44 to 82. That's what 38%, not mind bending, but on a road trip, plugging it at a high state of charge, it's not bad. It wasn't great, but that's doable. Um, and, uh, the, the, it's going to come with a 77 kilowatt hour battery pack, same as ID4. About a year later, they're going to uh, give us a larger battery pack, 86 kilowatt hour. These are both the usable capacities. The, the 77 kilowatt uh, hour version is the same as ID4. It peaks at 175 kilowatts. It's going to have basically the same charging dynamics as, as ID4. And the uh, the larger battery pack, though, is going to peak at 200 kilowatts. So the larger battery pack is going to be able to charge to 80% in 25 minutes and the the this battery pack the 77 kilowatt hour battery pack takes 28 minutes so you get bigger battery shorter charging time is it the best charging ev on the road absolutely not but you know you go in 10 to 80 in in 25 minutes that's doable that's that that's that's not terrible so you know i i really think that uh that they they put together a really good vehicle here i was impressed that's what i, I like to walk away saying wow that's better than i expected and that's how i felt with with uh with the id7 right so what kind of price tag is this thing gonna wear we don't have pricing yet i know th they announced some pricing in in europe but i, I don't want to make that comparison because they change a lot of times they lower their prices for the u.s market we don't have pricing right. yet right because it's going to be available second half of next year can, can we like ballpark it at all you know, there's plenty of places online that have given estimates. I don't like to do that. Okay, um, but it's so not going to be inexpensive, right? It's 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 going to be it's probably going to, but we don't know yet. Volkswagen might realize that this this that this isn't the type of vehicle that the U.S. market really likes, and they might put it at you know lower than what we're expecting. So that's why I don't want to really comment uh, on it because I know they're they're going to want to try to make it attractive. Right. So you won't people, get the federal tax or you won't get the federal tax credit if you purchase it, but you will if you lease it. Ah, uh, good point. Um, so some some outlets were comparing it to the Model Three, saying it was a Model Three competitor, but I think the pricing might be a little higher than that. It's more and it's like a more luxury interior or feel. I yeah, believe, and it's and much ride. bigger than a Model Three. Oh, is it much bigger? Okay. So yeah. what you say, like it's EQE Model S size. The inside oh, the, felt like it was bigger than a Model S to me. Oh, really? So, yeah. It was kind of it's narrow, a, it's though, a, right? It's, it's a large vehicle. Yeah. Okay. It's taller than a Model S. It's like four inches taller than a Model S. I think the oh. Model S is 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 four is is three or four inches wider, and uh, it's a, it's I think two inches shorter than a Model S. So two oh. or three inches. So it's it's nearly Model S size, and the inside's okay. huge, Dom. Yeah, I mean we're we're looking at it here in the video and. Yeah, I mean, from the outside, it looks a little bit narrower than like yeah. a, a full size sedan, but uh, and they yeah. they cut a, a midsize. So and look at that headroom. Now I'm only oh, yeah, that's five, a lot of room. eight. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like there's a foot of space between my head and the roof. You know, it's yeah. it had a lot lot of, you know, lot of headroom. Back seat, plenty of room. Uh, you know, I like that's here's when we're pulling into the uh, the DC fast charger. And the funny thing is, so. We pull into and we can't get it to accept my credit card. Uh, 
And I just kept trying to make it. I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. So okay. Jordan walks over to the next one and he swipes his card. He's like, oh, that station doesn't work here. Let's use this one. And and he, you know, he, he, we were laughing about it because he was like, you know, you I'm used to stations not working. I'm like, yeah, right. but we're in Europe. I'm right. not used to them not working. And that's why I was I was I was certain I was doing pressing a button wrong because it was all in French. You know, I'm like, I, there's got to be something wrong here. And he's like, nope, pull it over. So we pulled over to the other one and it worked. So even the infrastructure doesn't work in Europe, too. Right on. Yeah, Mike the Car Geek is chiming in saying VW, Ardeon, and CC were beautiful, but did not sell well here, which is kind of the, the story with uh, sedans sometimes. But this is, it sounds promising. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, let's hear about Kyle because Kyle's driven it. Yeah, Tom, I echo everything you say. It's unbelievably luxurious for a Volkswagen. Um, it, it really could. Okay, maybe it's not quite Audi level, but in terms of the complexity of how it handles bumps and everything, but it's very close. Uh, it's definitely the most mature we felt the MEB platform feel. And uh, the software is amazing. I love how it gives you a real-time kilowatt charging rate. Uh, in your video, you went over what it said you would actually do a little bit. So it was a little under-promising. It said like 109 kilowatts and you saw 113 or something like that. But briefly, you, yeah. It said 108 yeah. and then it briefly went above that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, what Kyle's talking about is it tells you um, uh, what you can expect your maximum uh, DC fast charge rate to be when you pull into the, 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 the station based on, you know, the battery state of charge, temperature and all that stuff, which is cool. I've never seen that on a, on a, on an EV before. Nice. And you mentioned too, this one has the, the new, the new APP 550 electric motor. And we, we can look at that yeah. thing on screen, which yeah. is going into their, you know, all their stuff right now. It's, it's just mm -hmm. a great and efficient motor and, you know, lots of power too. So zero to 60, you said, was it six something? 6.5 seconds. That motor is 281 horsepower and I think 402 pound feet of torque. Yes. And it's not just that it's more powerful. It's also much more efficient than the outgoing motor. So right. this powering the, the, the ID7 with the same battery pack is going to have a, 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 a greater EPA range rating than the ID4. Which, wow. and, and, and this is a bigger, heavier vehicle. Yes. A little bit lower than, than, than ID4 for aerodynamics, but um, you know, it's a bigger, heavier vehicle and the EPA range rating is going to be greater. And you say here in your article, the dual motor all wheel drive version is expected to deliver 551 horsepower, which should cut the zero to 60 time down to about five seconds, that's which what is we were five seconds. That's plenty. That's plenty quick. It's not, it's not well, a 551 horsepower. That's a lot. That's a lot of horsepower actually. in only five seconds. That's Are you uh, sure. I was told three thirty three something, 300 kilowatts okay. or yeah, 300. Maybe we should check the number. Cause five, you know, cause that'd be uh, awesome. It, yeah, that's it's that's it it could be wrong. We didn't really talk much about it um okay. at the uh at the event because it wasn't available and mm. I suppose it's possible I jotted down the wrong number, but I'll double check that and if and if it is wrong, I'll I'll update it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have the, Probably the number they wrong. quoted uh for me. Yeah. They they also did like that special one-off version that might have 550 claimed horsepower in their like concept thing. But either way, car's great, Tom. Your review is exactly what, how I feel about it. So it's just comfortable, great seats. Uh, love the sizing of the car. It's a little bit narrower than Model S, which makes it a bit more maneuverable on, on German roads. Or I drove it on German roads. You drove it in French roads. And yeah, I think they, they nailed it. Sadly, no one will buy it.
in the U.S. Yeah, and Aww. and you, you hear, Kyle, one thing I, I want your comment on, you're much more in tune with, you know, performance driving than me and, and suspension and everything. How did you find there that the, the new um, a dynamic chassis control and being able to adjust it and everything? I, I'd be curious because you spend a lot more time and effort focusing on that stuff than I do. Yeah, well, I've driven both ID4, 5, and 3 with dynamic chassis control. They just never came to the U.S. I think they they you know wanted to get the cost down for our market. We don't really value a lot of these nitty-gritty suspension tuning things like a lot of Europeans do. So I guess they took it out of the car until now for the U.S. market. And in the ID7, it has the biggest range of adjustment I've ever felt from a Volkswagen product. Um, you know, when you put the car in comfort mode, that's not full comfort on the suspension. You have to go into the individual setting and drag the slider all the way left. And then the whole car gets really loosey goosey. And it's actually, it's almost too soft. It's kind of fun, actually, how much deflection you get and how much movement you get. And then if you go to sport mode, it stiffens right up and it really is crazy. So I'm a huge fan of that setting. Actually, it's so much range of adjustment. I wish there were two individual settings because I want is individual daily and then individual sport um, so that I can really dial in the car for my type of driving style, which is usually extremely comfortable, slow, cruising, highway driving, and then tire squealing, maximum performance in the canyons. There's not much in the middle. So I kind of want two individuals. Yeah. And that I, I know I said it before, but I'm going to reiterate it because it really is special on, on, on this system. The range that you can adjust the suspension is amazing from softest to most firm. It's really um, something that I don't always focus on like Kyle does, but I found myself focusing on it because I'm like, this is really like, I can really feel this. I felt like I pulled into a, you know, the pit and told the pit crew, you know, you got to stiffen up this side, you know, and they worked on it. All of a sudden you go out, it, it's a different, it's a different vehicle. So um, good on Volkswagen. I'm, I'm, you know, I was really impressed. Nice. So Amico Koskelen says ID7 starts at 59,000 euro in Finland. Uh, yeah. So that's about that. Like it's Tom saying, that's the European prices. If it comes to, when it comes to the US, it may be, you know, price below that the equivalent so it'll be interesting to keep our eye on that um so, oh there's a article here or, or question here or comment sorry i always do the podcast so first time i've watched in a long time can i say tom looks in great shape has he started running or something so tom <laughs> little tom review here in the, in the comments uh yeah yeah, I, I, I actually, I started, it's been a year now, a little more than a year. I started last October, believe it or not. I started doing intermittent fasting and mm -hmm. it's been amazing for me. I lost, I think, 33 or 34 pounds now. And um, it's just like total lifestyle change. It's what I plan on doing from now on. I feel better. Um, and uh, thanks for noticing. Um, also, we got a, a super question here from Edgar Bernier. Uh, I heard your podcast and YouTube videos and would like love an EV, but I need a truck and my max budget is 45K. Will there ever be an EV truck in my price range? Save that for the batteries bargains. Battery bargains. Right. Battery bargains. Yeah, so we do a show now. Uh, we usually air on Mondays, Monday mornings where people send us what they want or what they're looking for in a vehicle. And we do some shopping, new or used, and we you know, put it up. And yeah, there's a whole playlist of them if you want to go check them out after the show. And this would go up there. Uh, just off the top of my head, um, if, if there is, it's going to be a, like a smaller uh, unibody pickup truck 
uh, yeah, maybe a small pickup truck in that price range coming. I would not be surprised, but right off the top of my head, I can't think of anything without some Googling, but so, and we need to move on here because Tom, I wanted to ask you about this shock flow charger on the wall behind you. Oh, this, where, where is it? Where's it? I'm not where, good with this. There you go. Is that yeah. which one? So yeah, um, uh, that's my current review that I, I just completed. Actually, the video is going to be up in, uh, I don't know when, a couple of days, uh, maybe early next week, but I just finished the video and it's so funny. When I set out to start this review, I was like, okay, I'm going to try. This is a portable unit. It's not a Wi-Fi connected smart charger, so I can compress the video. I can make it a little bit shorter. You know, it does less things I have to go through. Forget about that. This thing's one of the longest reviews I've ever done. And <laughs> and uh, there's a, a, a lot going on with it. So, um, you know, it was interesting. I did a lot of testing. I did submersion testing because this is IP67 rated. Um, the heat test, the... Uh, the connector drop test, the body of the unit drop test. When they're portable units, I drop the units too once they're frozen. Um, I did the, uh, uh, there we have the uh, cable uh, deep freeze test, which, uh, you know, I'll give you a little result. It actually did better than I was expecting. The cable, I thought the cable wasn't going to perform well. It did well. And uh, that's me beating up the connector for a little bit. And then I dropped the, uh, the body of the unit also. It actually um, overall did okay. Um, but my main issue with it is, it's not safety certified. Oh. And and I take it one step further. What I really don't like, that's the heat test. What I really don't like is when companies try to trick you into thinking it's safety certified with how the wording is on their advertising. So I bring up examples on Shockflow's website and also on Amazon where you know they talk about safety certified, safety certified. Uh, but they don't mention the bodies that that safety certified it, you right. know, and, and 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 then they post this uh, the FCC logo. And oh. people that don't follow this stuff would assume, well, that's that's the safety certification because, you know, ETL has a logo and, and, and UL has a logo. But FCC, that's communications. That's nothing right. to do with safety certification. So, you know, if on one point you say that's if the unit is safety certified, and then you show like an FCC logo. That's implying that that's the body that safety certified it. They just test for like radiation leakage. Like, like it's got nothing to do with safety certification. So that bothers me when companies, um, uh, I think, intentionally try to trick customers. Um, there's a reason why this is a very inexpensive item. It's super price, honestly. Um, if, you, if you're willing to look past uh, safety certification, go buy it because it performed well in my tests and the price is stupid cheap. It, the, the regular price is 279. There's a black Friday sale going on for the next two weeks. I think it's like $210 for a 40 amp uh, portable unit. Now it's not dual voltage, which I don't like. I want these portable units to be dual voltage because you're going to come across a lot more 110 volt uh, plugs than 240 volt plugs. So if you're going to carry around a portable charger, make it a dual voltage one because you'll have so many more opportunities to opportunity charge. Yeah, you need the 240 for when you really need to replenish a lot of power, but there's right. so many times you're staying overnight at a hotel and they don't mm -hmm. have a charger. They're, all these hotels have outdoor outlets. You just plug the damn thing in and overnight you'll get 40 or 50 miles of range. So you know, if you're going to make the effort to buy a portable unit, get yourself a dual voltage one. But um, uh, it did really well in my tests. So watch the video. 
Um, I harp and harp about safety certification. I'm going to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like to think that I I partially push these companies into doing that. Um, and uh, we'll see. But uh, it was a pretty good unit and uh, super long review. You, you know, get something to eat or something because it's like almost an hour long. But um, I I've tested I test out a lot of stuff and I I talk about every little. It seems like my review videos are getting longer, and uh, you know, I, I wanted to compress them, but uh, hey, it's uh, it, 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 I, I want to be thorough. I'm the guy that does it thoroughly, so it's going to end up as long as it takes me to review it. You know, yeah. I I use this this mobile connector in my vehicle because it's 40 amps. Um, and so I really love to have the option when we go to track days, this is what we use because there's not many mobile connectors that are 40 amps. Totally agree with Tom about the safety certification. That is sketchy as heck that they do not, uh, you know, label it. I'm like, I'm not sure I would use this. I mean, maybe, I don't know. This is a great like mobile unit, um, for me, I plug it in, I, it get, gets used a couple times a year and that's kind of it. It's not like I'm really dumping a lot of energy through this thing. But um, I love the screen, how it gives you all the readouts. Does yours have that, Tom, where it shows the internal temperature of the unit and it shows, you know, here's your, your, your voltage and all the, everything coming through. And uh, especially for my Rivian, when you start having big battery packs, Tom knows this because he's got two very big electric vehicles. um, The difference between 32 amps and 40 amps overnight starts to add up. It's the difference of leaving with a full charge or not. And uh, having a higher power uh, mobile connector for me is really nice. And I could see on the road, like Kyle's talking mostly on the road. I wouldn't, but but they advertise this as like, and the funny thing is like they 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 uh, the, one of the advertisers is that it's a dual purpose charger. So again, to me, that seems like it's misleading because I think they're trying to imply that it's dual voltage. You know, and I, I could be just reading into it. So what they when they explain what dual purpose means is that it can be your home charger, but you could also take it on the road. You know, so I, I just did, I don't like how they 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 play games with that. That bothers me. But um, you know, for uh, taking it on the road, like Kyle's use, you know what? If you had a problem with it, if it melted or something, chances are there's not going to be any issue. I just don't like to uh, people to have those issues at home. You know, and uh, I do like the internal temperature, Kyle, which was really good. And that helped me because when I do my my extreme heat tests, I can only test the outside temperature. I don't know what's really going on inside. And when 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 these chargers list their operating temperature, they're listing the ambient temperature, not the temperature of the innards. The innards can go higher and that than the ambient temperature. So the shock flow has at um, uh, 50. 5c which is i think 131 degrees fahrenheit it begins to derate its power output and at um 80c which is like 175 or 176 degrees fahrenheit it shuts off so i tested it i baked it until it hit 55c and it did start to derate so it worked um you know and um i like to see that there's a lot that i liked about it it just it 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 bothers me that that they didn't safety certify. And here's the thing. Uh, what I also don't like is they're selling it and competing with companies that went through safety certification. Safety certification could cost $100,000 and take six, seven, eight months. So part of the reason why it's so cheap is because they don't need that safety certification dollars baked into the price. So it's kind of like, you know, if, if I was selling one of these that was safety certified, 
you know, I, I, it would really bother me that, you know, these companies are out there just pushing this stuff out for 50 bucks less a unit because they didn't have that, that incur that cost. But anyway, I'm rambling about this, but uh, you could tell I'm passionate about uh, safe charging. That's, that's right. And we appreciate that. Thank you, Tom. Um, so if you've been, if you're watching this on YouTube, you've seen there's a picture of an SUV on the screen for the last couple of minutes. Uh, just real quickly, in July, images of the Cadillac Optic were discovered on a uh, Chinese government website. So it's smaller than the Cadillac Lyric. It was unknown whether it would or not it would come to the US. Well, this morning, Cadillac shared this official image of it and confirmed it's coming in 2025. So, and that's basically all they said. So we don't have any really big information to share on it right now, but I thought I'd let you all know about that real quick. Um, right. I think it looks good. Yeah, that's fine. I can't kind of kind of wait to dig into the details of it. Uh, so the Lucid Gravity wasn't the only high-dollar EV to debut this week. Over in Las Vegas, the Karma Kavea was unveiled. Karma calls it a Super Coupe GT. Uh, the car is production intent, so not a concept, and supposedly will come in rear-wheel drive version in 2025 and a more powerful version in 2026. Uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, because, but Karma has been around for a while. It's the company that was uh, at one time Fisker, and now is named after its first product, the Fisker Karma. That vehicle, a plug-in hybrid, was renamed Rivero. And well, that doesn't matter too much now because the company is hitting the, hitting the reset on its product line, mostly. Well, maybe it doesn't matter because... So it showed off the Kavea, and then it talked about an unseen sedan, which they claim is coming in Q4 2024, so even sooner. It will be called the Geysera, G-Y-E-S-E-R-A, Geysera, I don't know. Uh, and then they'll also have an updated version of the Rivero again. Uh, maybe, I think it was Q3 of 2024, so even again next year. So that company is still alive and, and doing stuff. And I'd like to show you a picture of the, of the thing. And unfortunately, Martin is sick today, so I'm a bit slow on the draw here compared to what he does. Um, if I find the right screen, I can show you the thing. It looks pretty. It looks pretty decent. I don't know. Uh, did either of you guys see this thing? I didn't look at it. No. Okay. I, I I haven't been given that company much oxygen. Right. Right. There's not a whole lot to say about it. Um, but their CEO is uh, Marcus McCammon. Uh, a few years ago, and the site only shows the rear of it for whatever reason. So they probably don't have a front yet. Yeah, no, they, they do, but it's it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if the screen will pull. It. Yes, so there it is. There, yeah. At the, uh, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of great vibes about the the company. It just doesn't. It's they're trying to do a lot on what seems like a very tiny budget, and I'm just not sure how successful it's going to be. But the styling was. You know, pretty decent. The, the lady who, who was in charge of the design was also in charge of the design of the the Acura, um, not Acura. Uh, yes, what's the what's the top end racy Acura? The NSX. Kyle? NSX. Yes, right. The last version of the NSX. She was in charge of that. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting design. I'm, but you know, I I don't have a lot of faith that the company is going to be able to deliver in in the long run. But I just you know it happened, so I wanted to mention it. Uh, so let's move on to something else real quick. So the last debut I have for you is the Volvo EM90. The Swedish Chinese slash Chinese automaker calls it a premium MPV. 
I call it a luxury minivan because it's super swank. But if, if you're a fan of super swank minivans, don't get too excited because Volvo says that the E90 is going to China first, which sounds like it's going to come somewhere else or go somewhere else second. But we don't know whether that's Europe or the US or maybe both. In any case, the EM90 is built on the Geely. Let me just pull up a picture of it really quick. It's built on the Geely Sustainable um, Experience Architecture 1, the C platform. It's powered by 116 kilowatt hour battery. Um, range is given as, as 459 miles, which I guess on the EPA, I'm thinking it's going to be like 350. Uh, let me see if I can pull this up really quick. I just have the, uh, have it on the, man, there's a picture of it there, but actually the video of it's pretty decent too. I should show you that. Um, and we don't have a whole lot of time. We got to get going actually. So I guess we'll, uh, you can look it up. <laughs> it's on, it's on the YouTube. Do the research right. yourself. We're yeah. done. Yeah, we're, we're done. <laughs> we got places to go, people to see, countries to visit, vacations to take. We right. just had one more comment from Real EV okay. uh, that we uh, glossed over. We hadn't mentioned it, but we should. It was a super chat. Thanks. Uh, he mentioned that the Hayes, Kansas, Electrify America site's been offline for nine right. days with no communication. I just pulled up the map here to show how big of a deal this is. This is Kansas, which is huge. This is the size of some European countries. And, you know, there's only one EA charger in the middle and there's really not much else. And it's uh, been offline. I think it went offline the day after I went through and used it. I had a fantastic EA road trip experience uh, and using the other public networks as well, driving my Rivian, uh, you know, from uh, Fort Collins to Atlanta. I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast. A little or not. bit last week. Okay, great. It was nearly perfect. Uh, I was really impressed. Absolutely mm -hmm. loved it. But these are the types of issues that that really uh, make it almost impossible to traverse one of the most major highways in the country right now. So we just need more infrastructure, backup plans, things like that. Um, I actually should have brought it up. I met with some of the EA comms people yesterday, just ran oh, nice. into them at the LA show. Um, and um, yeah, we didn't talk for too long, but it was did, great. The, nice did they people. mention, did they say the word Alpatronic? No, I, they're, they're on the comm side of things. So, uh, sure. you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to push anything like that. But, right. um, and following up on that real quick, real EV, when you said EA is, is gaslighting drivers, are they saying, oh, there's nothing wrong, you know, with, with, with these units, you know, just keep using them. There's nothing wrong and they don't work. Or are they just not giving you information? Cause that's not gaslighting. Uh, you know, I'm just curious, have you like, when you reach out to EA, are they saying, you know, oh, just go ahead. It works. Like, what, 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 what exactly do you mean by that? At the end of the day, I mean, EA really has a communication problem. I oh, think. definitely. And, oh, and, and but... they really have to, you know, communicate these stations going down. Um, they say it'll be up ASAP. Well, as soon as possible isn't nine days. Um, you know, the, these are the little things that we just can't rely on one provider for a nationwide network. This is why magic docs are great. It's why having, you know, Mercedes network, EV go charge point in many places. We just need a mix because we've, we've learned that relying on one network provider for all of our travel needs isn't going to cut it. So uh, right. this problem, I imagine this year, we're going to start to see a lot of backup solutions in place. Then the stress level of driving an EV on a road trip will decrease and it should be all better. But right now we're still dealing with these crazy issues and it's unfortunate.
Right. Follow, a- follow me, let me follow one thing, Dom. Following up on EA. So I forgot to mention this when we we're talking about ID7. So when I was I, during the press drive, I uh, asked Volkswagen. So for my article, I, I assume ID7 is going to have the same uh, un, free unlimited charging plan as ID4 has had. You know, this three-year plan. That's you know, that's that's horrible. You know, and uh, and they, they and they all know that I've made these videos and everything. All the companies know that I've been really beating the drum on the free charging sucks thing and everything. And there was no answer. And I'm like, uh, so free charging for three years, and and nobody wanted to answer it. And then it was like, so what you can say is ID7 will launch with a charging plan. And I'm like, ah. No free unlimited charging. And like, we can't comment on that. We haven't made decisions yet, but it will launch with a charging plan. So I've really read that as they're reevaluating their free unlimited three-year charging stuff and maybe responding to the fact that it's creating problems. And um, I hope that's the case. I will be so happy if Volkswagen comes out and says something like, um, you know, you get, thousand kilowatt hour, 2000 kilowatt hour, put a cap on it, you know, or, or, you know, um, something, you know, uh, give a dollar value or something. You get $500 worth of free charging. And once that's, once that's gone, you, um, you know, you, you pay. So there's hope that we're going to start to see these free unlimited charging plans begin to go away. Sweet. Awesome. All right. So we got to get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us. There's like 442 of you watching us right now. And I can't say how great that is. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Please give us a thumbs up. Uh, If you have any questions or comments, uh, just leave them below or get in touch with us on the social media platform of your choice. Uh, If you like the show, please give us a thumbs up. Click subscribe. Tap that bell icon for notifications. And uh, thank you all again for joining us. And we'll see you again next week. Ciao.